0: Um, Clearly, I um, I made a lot of mistakes or or things I would give anything to be able to do over again. Um, I didn't ever uh, try to commit fraud on anyone. I I was excited about the prospects of FTX a month ago. Um, I saw it as a thriving, growing business. I was shocked by what happened this month, and you know, reconstructing it, I, where are there things I wish I had done differently?
1: Hello, everybody. It's Thursday, December first. Uh, got some chapo coming at you. Um, just a quick programming note. Um, I will be recording a hopefully a bonus interview for you guys tomorrow about the uh, rail strike and ongoing negotiations over that. But today we have had we have a different uh, topic and guest for you. Uh, today we will be discussing. The much maligned inventor of the microphone, Adolf Hitler, and why he's gotten really like a bad rap. And we're hopefully going to resuscitate um, the uh, reputation of uh, leader of the German National Socialist Party, Adolf Hitler. Uh, Joining us to discuss this topic is, of course, Ben McKenzie. Ben, how are you? I'm
2: great.
0: Thank you for having me on. (laughs) This is such an important topic for me to discuss. I appreciate it.
3: Um, Uh, Ben,
0: Ben, Ben, first question. Do you think that bipolar men should be allowed to see their kids?
2: Man, it's like painful to watch. I can we not and you were making this point earlier, can we not put that guy on TV ever again, please? Well, I mean, the funny
1: thing that's happening right now is all the people putting him on TV and their shows are like just so desperate for um, his attention and the um, sort of stamp of approval of someone who does have actual cultural power and popularity that they've all put themselves in a horrible position now of having to like nod along sagely when he says things like the Nazis had some good ideas Or risk um, offending the uh, horrible audience that they've cultivated for themselves over the last couple of years. Yeah, my heart really
2: goes out to them. Ah, (laughs) I hope they can make it work.
1: (laughs) Prayers up for Tim Pool, everybody. Uh, he should get a propeller on top of that beanie The way he's been nah. going No, no, just, of course, this is a, this is a long way Of uh, setting up and introducing our guest. I, I think now, as a returning guest You can fairly be described as the official Chapo crypto correspondent Ben, welcome oh, to the show I
2: love it, that's an unpaid position, right? Of
1: course <laughs> oh, yeah, Okay, cool,
2: well, cool, 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 I mean,
1: cool, cool. well, you, w- you will be paid in Ch- Chapo tokens <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, baby Give me those sweet, sweet CPTs
2: <laughs> um, you can you can met 10 billion of them I want I want I want at least half um, yeah man I'm, I'm here I'm here to talk about all things crypto and how it's stupid so no, are, has, has anything been happening I haven't been following the news I've been writing I've been writing a book I don't know, I don't
1: know what's happening well, well yeah I mean we we face this as a a, a a big a big victory lap because of the uh, the lightning quick collapse of FTX and the um, just uh, the I don't know, the Wicker Man-like scenario going on right now with um, Sam Bankman-Fried. And I guess I just want to like, as someone who follows this stuff, I think I'd like to start in like the broadest possible terms. Uh, what was FTX? How is it supposed to work? And what led to its spectacular collapse?
2: Well, fraud seemed to have led to its spectacular collapse, <laughs> but, um, which is good for me considering that's what I'm writing a book about. But yeah, so FTX was like a big crypto exchange. You know, if you watch sports, it was impossible to ignore them. They had, you know, the rights to the to the Miami uh, Heat arena, FTX arena, excuse me, uh, for as long as that lasts. They had they had the Major League uh, umpires uh, uniforms. The first time they've ever given like a patch for the uniforms was pretty hilarious. They were like literally buying off the umps, which I thought was cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they are, you know, so yeah, he's running an exchange. It's run out of, well, now run out of the Bahamas. He was also running this, this thing called Alameda Research, which is not a research firm. Of course, it's a trading firm. And the suspicion, the thought was like, well, obviously, conflict of interest. You're owning a, a firm that's trading on your own exchange. That would never be allowed in a regulated marketplace. But everyone assumed Sam was actually like the smart one of the group, admittedly somewhat of a dubious prize in crypto. But still, like, he was the guy who, you know, had it all figured out and was probably doing all sorts of shenanigans that he would probably get away with and making a ton of money. And then lo and behold, we figure out, oops, he actually has gambled away, lost all of the money, and not just the money from Alameda that he'd taken from uh, venture capitalists, but uh, regular people's
0: money that had put it on FTX. So, yeah, I I thought, like, you know, the infamous... uh podcast appearance when he was on Odd Lots. Yeah. Well With uh, Joe Weisenthal and Tracy Holloway. Very good show. Where he describes yield farming. And he basically just describes a Ponzi scheme. Yes. And by virtue of that, by virtue of him nakedly knowing that, I was like, oh, maybe he'll be like the JP Morgan in 2009 of this industry because he appears to know that it's just nothing. That right. it's like that y- there's nothing you can do on the blockchain that you can't do better on existing technologies. Yeah. But- Yeah, it turns out, like all of these guys, uh, like everyone nowadays, he did not want to actually be making money on the thing he was supposed to be making money on. He thought he was too smart for that and completely ruined everything.
2: Well, one so one of the fucking hilarious things about him being called the J.P. Morgan of crypto is that J.P. Morgan, you know, so what they're referencing is 1907. And when J.P. Morgan had to, like, basically get this group of rich dudes to, like, bail out all these banks that were falling apart. Well... Morgan laid bare the fact that you needed a central bank, like the failures of the system prior to having a central bank. It's one of the reasons like we created this trusted third party, which crypto is like dead set on like taking away, right? It's trustless. Like it's just you and me. We're just, we're just going to transact directly, except we're also going to have to run it through a Bahamas based shell corporation in the, you know, in the Caribbean. Like, it's all just like nonsense, you know, it's like, well, whoever Satoshi was, whatever his uh, he or they were doing, like what it's become is online poker 2.0, right? It's the same thing that they were doing. And, and there's a lot of the same players involved. People are like shuffling money through shell corporations overseas. And ultimately, it always falls apart because they're always cheating and robbing people. And we're just doing it a uh, bigger this time. You know, 40 million Americans bought this crap.
1: But, like, the uh, the exchange part, and then there's the Alameda research part. I guess, like, just, I mean, like, in a really, really stupid question. Like, oh, a sure. crypto exchange is essentially it's a portal through which the, I don't know, retail crypto investor purchases crypto coins or tokens or something like that. Was this an exchange for all kinds of cryptocurrency or just one specific kind of cryptocurrency?
2: No, yeah, yeah. You could trade anything or a lot of different things. I mean, they all have their own listing standards. You know, they also take money to list a coin, right? And pretty openly, like it's basically like pay to play kind of thing, which is pretty interesting. And, uh, yeah, you can trade any crypto on there. Um, now an exchange should never go bankrupt, right? Because if you're just operating an exchange, all you're doing is literally taking the difference between, you know, the spread of like, you're, you're taking a tiny cut of the volume and like, you should always have the money, right? But if you're running what in the 1920s was called a bucket shop where you didn't actually do the trades, right? You like told people you were running the trades, but in fact you were lying, Then, you know, who the hell knows where the money went? Now, it's unclear exactly how this all went down. Um, There's reporting out there that Alameda Alameda had lost $3.7 billion already, even in this massive run up to like was already broke. But what seems to have happened is that like he either made some bad bets or something went haywire with Alameda and he took customer funds from FTX from the exchange to bail out Alameda. Alameda was supposed to be doing like these uh, market making services, like basically providing liquidity so that like there's a bid ass spread and they, people could like trade these coins. But you know, it sounds like it was all just shenanigans, man. It was all just like, it was all a lie. Like they, there was, they had no accounting department. They had no
1: P&L <laughs> statement. Like, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not fucking kidding. When was kidding. Elon Musk in charge of
2: this? <laughs> to, like, yeah. Let
1: everyone go and uh, payroll and uh, accounting.
2: Yeah, he's going to he's a takeover bid. I'm sure is like on the horizon.
1: <laughs> but yeah, like so, like, so for the, the average person, right? They saw the Super Bowl had and they also, you know, part, part of the thing that's fascinating about Sam Bankman fried is like just like coming out of nowhere, like seemingly came out of nowhere. This 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 weird, very kind of like unappealing looking dork. Um Became, and with FTX, the face of what was billed as the reliable, responsible adult fake money casino. But essentially, what was happening is that like for the for the person who saw the ad on TV and then bought a token and had money in an account on FTX, that Alameda research, with like apparently what's alleged to be backdoor code written into the architecture of the entire thing itself, had their accounts emptied and had that money being used to place very risky uh, bets on uh, what uh, other forms of cryptocurrency or just or just pure just gambling with the money that was in people's uh, FTX accounts.
2: Yeah. And then some of that money so reportedly made it into accounts that Sam controlled. Like he gave himself loans. He gave himself a billion dollar loan. He gave this other guy that worked from a massive loan, several other people. You know, so some of it looks like he literally was taking money that he'd gotten, like reportedly took $300 million of a $400 million meme around of investing and just like put it in an account for himself and was like buying real estate for his parents and like, or under his parents name. I don't know. It's, it's all wild stuff, man. It's like pretty blatant. I'm shocked at it, honestly.
1: I mean, I'm not a like sophisticated investor. I mean, like sometimes I read the Financial Times, but- I would think it's a bad thing when the bank slash currency exchange that you're investing in is headquartered entirely in the Bahamas.
2: Yeah, that's what's called a tell. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's so many fricking red flags here. You know, I interviewed Sam over the summer. um, Yeah, for like a long. Yeah, for like a long time, right? Like, like it was a little bit. I don't know if you watched the interview with uh, with uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin yesterday. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so it's a little bit like that, where like. He just keeps talking and you're like, do you have somewhere to be? Do you need to like do, do you need to be running? Don't you, you're supposed to be running like a billion dollar. Like we talked for like an hour and 17 minutes. Like it was pretty wild. And he's just this guy where, I don't know, it was really weird, man. He, he, was, he was supposedly one of the hundred wealthiest people in the world last year, according to Bloomberg. And you sit with him and he's a 30-year-old guy. He went to MIT, so he's like quantitatively bright like obviously, I guess, but, or that's the assumption, but he's a kid, you know, and they gave him all this money and he, he seems to have bluffed his way into like this, this fortune that he almost got away with. Like he was going around Capitol Hill, throwing money left and right, you know, through a shitload of money at the Democrats, um, his cohort through a shitload of money at the Republicans. And when we were on Capitol Hill this summer, Every room we walked into, they are like, ooh, uh, I'm not sure we can do anything. SPF was here before. I mean, it was crazy, man. It's nuts.
1: Though. Um when you but when you interviewed him though, like I mean, how did he respond to I mean, did you like uh, uh push back or or critique like you know the ideology of crypto? Like what were his defenses of uh, he, cryptocurrency as this revolutionary new technology that will liberate yeah, so, markets or investors?
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's not he's not one of those laser eyed he's not a maxi, a Bitcoin maxi. He he presents himself like his role, the the role he's playing is like sweet California kid from good family who is like the sweet face of crypto, this completely unregulated, totally sketchy, you know, area. And he's going to be the good guy and you can trust him. And, you know, like innovation will be kept at home, even though it's still in the Bahamas, but whatever. So it's not so much like asking him about the ideology. It's more, I was kept asking him, like, what does this shit do? Like, what does it do? Give me an example of what it does. And it was really wild, man. Like he just kept, go- he can't answer the question. He goes back to basically payments. He's like, it's going to be a payments vehicle, which is ridiculous because no one uses crypto for payments. I actually asked him to give me like a hard number, like, okay, how much is actually used for payments? Because I found a, a number online from a few years ago. And he, he said like $4 billion, which seemed like a, a wag, like a wild ass guess. But even if you gave that number, even if you gave that number credibility, that's like what, like 0.4% of Bitcoin, of crypto's market cap at the time. Like it's nothing. It's a trivial number. People are not using this for currency because it doesn't work as currency because it's not a fucking currency. So he's trying to like just sort of buy time and like sort of like explain why this isn't just a totally shady operation. Um, But there's no good answer to what crypto does because crypto doesn't do anything.
1: Um, like have you so you, you mentioned the uh he was just interviewed by Andrew Ross Sorkin at the New york Times uh <laughs> annual most evil people in the world conference <laughs> their their deal book uh seminar, and you know like uh you know it's just it was him saying like you know i 'm sorry i 'm sorry, I screwed up, but i didn 't consciously uh defraud anyone. Um, like, have you been following any of uh, SPF's latest like, media interviews and hits? Because, I mean, apparently his lawyers are telling him to not go on television, but he seems to have some sort of duty. I mean, like, I mean, like, you could look at it like, oh, he's, just, he's, he's trying to put himself in jail right now. Or is this part yeah. of like, a, a more calculated uh, PR campaign on his behalf?
2: No, I wouldn't describe much, much like, I, I wouldn't overthink it. Um, you know, in fraud, they talk about the fraud triangle which is like the three essential components of any fraud. So it's need, you have to have the need to commit the fraud, which can be like greed, but can also be like you make a mistake. Like, you know, we hear about these like rogue rogue traders on a desk, you know, they're selling like convertible bonds in Thailand or something. And they like make a bad trade and they, you know, get behind, but they don't want to admit it. And so they they gamble some more and they get further behind. And then all of a sudden, like they're arrested because they lost, you know, $10 billion on a desk that wasn't supposed to cover a fraction of that. So need is a part of it. And that might be what happened with Sam. Like he might have just like screwed up and gotten behind. Opportunity is the second part. He had obviously had the opportunity to commit fraud. I mean, obviously, cryptozoica. Okay. <laughs> it's a It's a paradise of opportunity to commit fraud. And then the last part, the part that I see, we're seeing right now is rationalization. You have to rationalize your behavior because nobody, very few people actually are comfortable like admitting that they're, they did a bad thing and they were bad people and all that stuff. It's more like, no, no, no let me explain and made some mistakes, you know, blah, 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 blah. So that that's what that was for an hour and however many minutes yesterday it was like him rationalizing and trying to like explain why he hadn't defrauded people. Except uh, the problem was he had. So
1: <laughs> now uh prior to like uh, the FTX implosion and the like cratering of a lot of the a lot of crypto over the last couple of months or so, the the defenders of of crypto would always say like uh the, the power of crypto is in that it is decentralized and free from like the dead hand of state and regulation, uh, like in market distorting effects like that. Well, now that it's, it's cratered, I, I've you've been seeing a lot of the same people sort of ask, hey, where was the regulation on this? Or like, oh, yeah, uh, like the, the state oh, yeah. needs to intervene. And, uh, you know, I don't know, either make us whole again or make it so this doesn't happen again.
2: Oh, yeah. And not only that, but they're like, where were the regulators before? Gary Gensler, like, where was he? He should have been all over this. And you're like, this is, it's so, I mean, it'd be funny if it wasn't so sad. I guess it is kind of funny, but it's, they're so hypocritical. I mean, they're going around like literally, what, two months ago, they're like, you know, the SEC needs to stay off our backs. Like these aren't securities. Which ones are securities? We can't tell. They they wrote this secret letter. There's like this secret letter from March from eight, eight Congress people Um, Democrats and Republicans that was apparently addressed to Gensler that was basically like layoff crypto. You know, this is like corruption, man. This is some serious level corruption. We're talking like, I think we're into probably hundreds of millions of dollars of, of, of money that's been funneled into the parties at this point. I mean, the money we know about from Sam and his cohorts alone is getting you to like 80 or 90 million. So then you add in the rest of the industry. I mean, it's just gross, dude. And there's not like, this is, these are zero-sum games economically. They are. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it more clearly than that. These are not adding value to anything. The, the only way that you win in crypto is by someone else losing. These are strictly competitive. For you to win, someone else has to lose. Now, the winners and losers are not evenly distributed. Like, the winners are the insiders, are the venture capitalist firms, are the people that run the exchanges, are the, you know, the guys that issue the tokens, right? And there are always people behind these things code does not fall from the sky. Code is written by people. And these guys are doing securities fraud. That's what they're doing. And lots of other fraud, too. But like, it drives me nuts because regulators were going to go like, oh, these are new digital assets. Oh, you know, let's bring them into the banking system. And if that had happened and they were damn near close, if that had happened, you could have had a Sunprime 2.0 from crypto. You absolutely could have. And, that, and then everyone's affected. And then, even if you don't own crypto, your pension is hurt. Um, It's happened already in Ontario. The teachers' pension fund invested in frickin Celsius and like lost a bunch of money. Um, So it could have gotten really bad, man. And And it's and it's gross. Sorry, I'm ranting. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, no. I mean, well, I mean, uh, the, the the detail that you shared uh, earlier about um, FTX getting advertisements placed on MLB umpires uniforms is, I think, a really telling era. if you want to talk about um, buying your own regulators. But yeah, like it's, this, it's the only this guy time. and his money. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it's the only in time ever to- Apparently it's the
2: only time it's ever been done in history and the and what those patches used to be for is for their fallen comrades like like umpires that had died. So now How
0: many was, umpires
2: like, die in the line of duty? Though. <laughs> oh man, you get you get hit in the balls one too many times with a uh struck by a Randy plus. Johnson fastball. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, admittedly fair enough Felix, but uh but it was like there was no Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. I cut you off. Well, like it's. it's uh, no, no. Crazy. I
1: mean, like. Well, I mean, like. Uh, up until recently, it looked like um, he was choosing his regulators, and he had chosen the Democratic Party. And you had uh, Bill Clinton appearing at his conference in the Bahamas, uh, saying on stage with Sam that uh, he would prefer regulators take a soft, a light touch with crypto. <clears throat> then you have people like Chris and Gillibrand going on CNBC and saying, yeah, it would be a great idea for pensions to invest in cryptocurrency. I don't agree with this, that it's a bad idea at all. But we we come out, we found now, like, of this week that, I mean, he had given just the exact same amount of money to Republicans, um, but but through dark channels. Because, like, he knew that that would look bad for him, giving money to Republicans. But, I mean, like, obviously... This is a this is a bipartisan thing, but what does it tell you that he wanted at least publicly facing? Uh, he chose the Democrats as being like like the, his backers or the people who could could help him out in the on the regulatory sphere.
2: Yeah, because that was like his angle, right? Like he's from California. His parents are professors of law at Stanford. He was raised in like the intellectual circles and probably certainly exposed to the Silicon Valley circles. Obviously, all heavily democratic or largely democratic. So like, yeah, that's going to be his thing. He's going to be the vegan guy who's going to play nice and like, whatever, talk endlessly and, and super vaguely about innovation. But they're not stupid. I mean, they're, well, they're, <laughs> they're a little stupid, but they're not dumb. When Trent came to politics, politics is pretty simple. You just have to pay both parties. So while Sam was doing like to your point, well, Sam was like outwardly supporting the Democrats, you know, his cohort spent a ton of money on the Republicans. And then Sam was allegedly supposedly also donating a ton of money to the um, to, to dark money. So basically, the way they were trying to do this is like so there's two regulatory bodies, right? There's a the CFTC, which does commodities. And then there's the SEC, which does securities. And the CFTC is much smaller. It's like one sixth the budget of the SEC. And it's always been the weaker agency. And the CFTC was also I mean, they're both. They both have many problems. I'm not here defending either of them, really. But like the CFTC, if you think the SEC is a joke, like you should see the CFTC. Like, there's just a lot of. There's a funny clip. There's a guy who went on a. What did he want? He went on Tucker Carlson and was like, "Yeah, I told my, I, I told, I, I bribed." Oh, the, the bribing. CFTC. <laughs> yeah, the bri- <laughs> He literally yeah. says, "I bribed yeah, it was, the CFTC." <laughs> where was Gary Gensler?
0: Well, I don't know where Gary Gensler was, but my regulator at the CFTC, I bribed. I asked them, why in the world are you
2: he called
1: himself, but yeah, he said I bribed I bribed my regulator on TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
2: so the way they were gonna try to do this is
1: like basically
2: get the CFTC in charge through the AG committee because you know they're regulated by different they're overseen by different committees, which which it's just creating really bad incentives in the system. Like, we're the only country I'm aware of that separates its securities regulation from its commodities regulation. And this creates competing agencies competing over jurisdiction and also senators competing over donations that they can get from different, you know, industries. So it's really bad. It's a bad system. And we should probably change it, but we probably won't because on the inside, each each side benefits. So that was their play, I think. Um, but it wasn't partisan. It was going to be both. And the Democrats would if if they had been able to hold on to it for another two to three months, like at least until after the honestly, actually uh, only a few more weeks, really, until after the election, they might have been able to get something through a lame duck session. Like it's, it's totally possible.
1: You know, in the days and weeks following the spectacular collapse of FTX, we've been treated to uh, a sort of a, a portrayal of the people in charge uh, at FTX as being this sort of Click of polyamorous, like, Adderall addicts having, like, a sleepover party in their friend's, you know, house in the Bahamas. And that, like, you know, that they were just kids, you know, like, that they were just sort of, like, uh, like, high or fucked up or something like that. Like, it, I, I, I know you said, like, it, it's not that complicated, but, like, something about this strikes me as a little calculated, too, because if they're just this sort of, uh you know, caricature of, like, you know, insouciant millennials, then it's easier to be like, hey, we just fucked up instead of we were the conscious... Uh, Creators of a massive Ponzi scheme.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good point. I mean, first of all, can we just like try to picture those parties? Those most the lamest, the lamest parties. I I can't even. They're in this like thirty nine million dollar penthouse that that Sam has bought or rented or whatever, and like nobody's there to like have sex with them. Nobody is there to like. I guess they get drugs and alcohol, but like it just sounds so sad and, and sort of pathetic, but yeah, I think, I think the risk is to be like, Oh, it's okay. Cause they were just young and they didn't know what they're doing. When you don't, you don't write like backdoor code that can, you know, bypass the system to take the money from people on accident. You don't transfer, yeah. you, you don't set up shell corporations, like myriad shell corporations on accident. You know, you should check out their legal team. Their legal team has an interesting history. Um, it's, it's bad stuff, man. And it was purposeful and, if there's any justice, some people will go to jail. But honestly, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well,
3: we'll see if he keeps doing interviews. I don't know how you can say it's it uh, doesn't sound like a fun time to hang around a giant penthouse and uh, do methamphetamine suppositories and see who can solve the most Sudokus in an hour. That sounds <laughs> amazing. <laughs> sounds I mean, great. So,
2: he's like Sam's in the corner playing League of Legends and uh, fucking Sudoku at the same time. And like there's some real what's the music? What music is being played there? I'm gonna kick that one to Felix. Who's what's being played at uh, at the party, the
0: Alameda Rave? Um, well, there are two options. It's either like I mean computer guys, they either listen to like Billboard top forty hits, like I think that's who was listening to all the Black Eyed Peas song. Probably Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> in Facebook ten years ago. Or they listen to like some fucked up genre like clown step or electro swing. <laughs> they listen to something that like keanu reeves's boss and johnny mnemonic would listen to in the future well they're like oh I mean, it's, it's the music it's the music of the future it's called electro clown <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a, the barnum
0: and bailey circus song but played on a synthesizer oh.
1: Like you know, to, to compare like the, the excess of uh, the financial world of an earlier era, you know, like the classic Oliver Stone Wall Street model of like, just uh, you know, you're busting out Teldar paper and Andacot steel, and you know, you're ripping lines with Daryl Hannah. You're making sushi in your apartment every night. It's just escorts and clubs in New York City, but I mean, it seems like the uh, the specifics change, but like uh, much much of financial speculation does seem to still be run on uppers upper oh, yeah. and the fun yeah. things you can do with them how they can be, how sharp they can make your mind
2: yeah yeah there's not a lot of like wall street titans like you know smoking dope like like you know some pot that's not their drug choice no he's like he yeah he's patched up and he does have add but like those drugs are known to you know increase your appetite for risk and uh that's not necessarily a good thing or i mean maybe it was for him at the time but it's not a good thing for the fdx customers there's a story where like he went to uh, Sequoia, which is a venture capital firm, and he needed a billion dollars. And so they're on a Zoom or whatever. And they're like, he's he's telling him like it's FTX is going to do everything. You're going to be able to buy and sell crypto, but also buy groceries, but also, I don't know, get car insurance. I don't know what he's saying. And and they're like, wow, this is amazing. And they realize at some point because he keeps looking over that that he's playing. He's playing League of Legends while while on the call?
0: <laughs> and no, he's a real villain who should be Well, executed.
2: no, no, no. But this is my favorite part. Like, you and I, like, we would all go, holy shit. Like, don't give this guy our money, right? Like, if you had, like, $1,000 that you needed, you'd be like, no way. No way. But, like, these Wait, guys Wait, I'd be are giving like, it to
1: a guy who knows how to multitask, who can be on a Zoom that's call what, and that's, play. That's, that's
2: their take, right? Is they're like, he's so brilliant. He said a bunch of... <laughs> he said a bunch of gibberish and was playing league of legends poorly i must we must give him all of our money and they did it's crazy man it's totally nuts
1: i i, I want to talk about like the the philosophical underpinning of a lot of this but I, I guess just like for the average ftx customer like where like what is it like for them right now like one day you had x amount of money in this ftx account and then the next day it's zero gone is that the reality for like the uh, retail investor on FT- FTX right now?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're locked out. You get, you have no access to your money. I mean, the joke among the step- skeptic community is like, when did you lose your money? When you gave it over to the exchange. And it's a massive regulatory failure because like they're advertising on the Super Bowl and shit, but like. You're 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 you can get around that's FTX US theoretically, right? Like theoretically only Americans can access FTX US, but really you can get on FTX. You just need to get a VPN and you can go around it. And like then but then you're giving your money over to a company run out of the Bahamas, right? Like so there's no <laughs> like like I don't know if you're paying attention to the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. there's a Bahamas security commission, which is like my favorite thing ever. Um, and like, you know, those guys are in charge of your money. Like that's the guys that you want to give it over to. It's yeah. So no, they're, they're screwed. But crypto exchanges have, have, have collapsed. Like it's harder to point to exchanges that haven't collapsed than it is to ones that have. I mean, this, the crypto exchanges have collapsed since there have been crypto exchanges. And it's almost always because they ran off with the money. Like there's a great story of a guy who's running Canadian exchange, Quadriga, and he literally like they found he, he. the heat was coming and he went to India and he, quote unquote, died. But like he might have faked his own death. Like there's a great like um, a podcast series about this. Um, people have been like lying and stealing money from people via, quote unquote, exchanges forever, because what's separating an exchange from a bucket shop? Like, what's the difference? It's the same thing.
1: Haven't like a lot of prominent crypto whales um, died recently? That has been uh, very interesting. Who's that?
2: I actually don't know this. Who? I
1: don't know. Um, I, I just saw some speculation about, like, there seems to be a number of uh, deaths in this in this. There was one of guy of... who said, like, if I die,
3: I was murdered. And then well, he that, died that, two that, days later.
0: That that's actually, amazing. when people say that, that's just like they were going to kill themselves in one day. Yeah, minute. they wanted like to be John, fun. Like John, like John, Mac 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 McAfee. John McAfee ruined that for me because yeah. John McAfee <laughs> is, like, just so annoying. The true non-episode <laughs> on him is very good, but he like wanted people to think that he was he was like a a, a bad spy turned good. But um, I'm pulling there is a thread of a lot of um, crypto whales who have died in mysterious ways recently. That is not bullshit that I'm yeah, not up. surprising.
2: Did you see the story about the guy? I think this is Georgia. So so he his house gets robbed and he loses his like cold wallet that has his Bitcoin. And so he tells the cops he's like this dude. Stole, and it was a shit. It was a lot of Bitcoin. And and the cops are like, you have how much Bitcoin, sir? And you haven't paid taxes on that. And, and he, he, they so like, the guy he incriminates himself in, you know, all of this stuff that oh, whatever, man, it's also stupid. I feel for the people who they were lied. I mean, in their defense, they were lied to by the most famous people money can buy. Yeah. Like celebrities, athletes, musicians, like all these people took money, marketing companies with one hundred million dollar budgets and stuff.
1: I mean everyone everyone regarded the FTX commercial with Larry David as like the best Super Bowl ad of of this most previous Super the, the most recent Super Bowl. And yeah. you got you got Larry David, Tom Brady, Steph Curry, I mean run that Matt Damon, like athletes, yeah. celebrities. I mean they were there to get like the that that last squeeze of the lemon, like the last group of investors who were yet to be yeah. uh, rooked, which is just the average person. And I got to say the, like the 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 dishonor role on this is is deep, but there's one man who who must be credited with honor. And that is Shaquille O'Neal, a man who will do literally any commercial for anything.
3: <laughs> he was offered <laughs> he, one of He these did a porno with the ads. general.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, and apparently Shaq uh, Shaq did not do the crypto thing because he said, "I don't want to advertise anything that like the average person can't afford." So That's say say we will about about Subway sandwich shill Shaquilla on Auto General shill Shaquille O'Neal. He never he, he saw through this crypto shit probably because he was like, "I don't understand." Like, like what, I don't understand it. What am I selling? What am yeah. I actually selling here? And yeah. like that is the question when you watch all these ads. Ben is this just like it's just int- it, it is no different than the ads for FanDuel or Caesar's no. Sportsbook. Same it stuff. is entreating you the like the, the average sucker who like believes that they have the same information as uh, everyone else or like the the big boys the, the whales do uh, to just buy into the system and gamble.
2: Yep, that's exactly right. I mean the parallels are like I mean they're. They're dead on. Right. Like the in twenty eighteen, we, uh, you know, the Supreme Court overturns. I forget what what the case was, but basically made made gambling up to the states. The states could do whatever online gambling they wanted to do. And that, so that's why you're seeing like online gambling has got everywhere. Right. And it's really bad. I mean, we've, I'm actually writing about that right now as I sort of finish off the book is like. I've I've actually in the past, I was more like, well, it's gambling and like, how bad can it be? And sure, there's addiction. But, you know, that's not the majority. And, you know, if you know the odds, if you're gambling in a legal, you know, casino, which is not crypto, which is, you know, to its discredit, um, then it's not that bad. But the truth is, it is. It's really bad. I mean, we've been talking to some uh, gambling, uh, you know, addiction experts. Gambling has by far the highest rate of suicide, way higher than other addictions. Um, It hits men really hard. Um, they, they lie about it. They hide it from their families. It creates, you know, generational problems, right? I mean, it can destroy entire families because dad was secretly gambling, you know, or, or his son, right? I mean, it's, it's really, really bad. And, and, and in a minimum, you need rules and regulations, but honestly, just fucking stop the advertising, like just eliminate the advertising. I mean, there's an article today in Bloomberg about how it's going in the UK, which has much, you know, really big gambling culture but they like it's gotten so bad there that the government might actually actually do something about it because it's just you know, it contributes to all this bad stuff.
1: Well, especially at a time of, of like, high cost of living and, like, a real economic right. crunch on a lot of people, a lot of people out of work. Um, their paycheck doesn't go as long as uh, it used to. It doesn't go as far right. as it used to. And then, and then you see ads everywhere to just be like, hey, like, who wouldn't want to turn a uh, $100 into $1,000? $1,
2: That's right. It's casino capitalism, right? It's like, take people who are already desperate and take advantage of them. And, like, you know, maybe you too can, can you know whatever hit the 16 parlay or whatever it's the same thing it's just even worse with crypto cuz there's not even at least with Vegas there's an odds book right and like yeah. you know you're not a 50% <laughs> to win but like it's there and they pay you
0: usually right
1: and you know like you know at least if i if i take the cowboys over the giants on thanksgiving uh, the game is played and a victor and a loser is established at the end of the game it's everyone can see it the Correct. information is there, um, and speaking of uh, rooking desperate suckers, uh, I want to talk about uh, effective altruism. And uh, Like, how familiar are you? How familiar are you with effective altruism? And like, how like how did this become the perfect um, uh, court philosophy slash excuse for uh, Sam Bankman Fried and the world of? Bay Area techno rationalist crypto uh, gamblers.
2: Oh, it's like the best philosophy ever for those folks. So it's super simple make as much money as you can. That's number one. And then number two, give it away. Now, guess which one Silicon Valley's good at? <laughs> right? So, like, <laughs> it's basically an excuse to make as much money as you possibly can by whatever means necessary. And then theoretically, down the line, eventually, you're going to give it away because you know best, because you're going to be effective, because you're so smart, because you made all this money. But don't worry, you don't do that right now, just like some point in the future. Um, But, you know, what it did for Sam was it gave him a way of justifying whatever the hell he wanted to do. Right. I mean, all of it was justified because he was going to give it all away. You see, it's so hollow. It's so gross. I mean, I think utilitarianism itself is like a pretty flawed philosophy. I think it's like an interesting idea that has difficult to apply in the real world. But like effective altruism is just, I just think it's nonsense personally. I I think it's just absolute nonsense. And and I'm deeply suspicious of people that that promote it, even people that seem well-intentioned.
1: well, I mean, in many of his interviews, it seems like he was using, like, when I want to like, ask him about, like, where's all this money going or how, what, what are you even doing? It would always be talked about in terms of, like, the mosquito nets that I'm going to buy for kids in Africa right. or, like, the dealing with the problem, like, long-termist problems of, like, you know, pandemic preparation or things like that. Is there any indication that he gave away any of this money except to, Dude, I don't one, know, regulators at the FCC? One of
2: the most awkward moments of our interview, which I have on camera, so, like, this will be in a document at some point, is it he's going on and on about this stuff. And I'm like, OK, how much money have you given to that stuff, to the pandemic preparedness and the mosquito nets, whatever, mosquito nets, whatever, like the, the really, really good stuff? And how much have you given to the politicians? And he like, froze, like he just could not, he, he refused to answer the question. Like he basically said some big, he threw out some big number, 50 to 100 million that he'd given to like all these good causes. And then when asked about politics, he literally wouldn't tell me even though I that information's public like open secrets I I knew that he and so what I what I think in retrospect was he didn't want to tell me because it would have involved the dark money and he didn't want to lie to me like it was the weirdest moment man it, it's so strange right like and the other thing that just drives me nuts about effective ultras is like stop talking about giving away the money and just give it away
1: well like stop ben, telling like, us who well, yeah. you are well, and the, just well, do yeah.
0: it I mean it's like that's that's not The point. I mean, it's the same thing as the giving pledge. It's the same thing as like the exact previous generation of like decad billionaires and centibillionaires. Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, like everyone, everyone says, yeah, I'm going to give away like, you know, over half or in some cases 99% of my fortune. What we see that means in practice is like, oh, I'm going to donate the bulk of my net worth as it exists in equity in, you know, whatever company I founded or took over. I'm going to donate that to a family foundation yep. that is, you know, completely shields my kids from inheritance tax. But it it will look like I gave it all to charity because, you know, once a year we we do a desalination plant that right. helps on net ten people.
2: Yep, and we throw a huge gala every year and we all pat ourselves on the back and like,
1: and- yay. And I think the the comparison to Warren Buffett is a good one here. I think just the effective altruists have a new buzzword that they use, which is long-termism. And when you consider the problems of humanity on the scale of a billion years, then, I don't know, letting rail workers have seven days of paid sick leave a year seems like sort of selfish and piddling in comparison to the billions of people that you're going to save from hunger at some unspecified future date.
2: Yeah, but you're just thinking too short-term, Will. You know, you got to think about the future. The future, which, by the way, won't even exist because these guys aren't figuring out the problems that exist today.
0: Well, like, uh, as as the stakes get higher and as, like, the average threshold for comfort gets further and further away, the meter for what it means to be a good person and be a billionaire gets adjusted. For Warren Buffett, it's just like, okay, I have $60 billion, but... I vaguely support democratic policies and, you know, we will give peons about how I should be taxed more for this next generation when, yes, like the threshold of comfort is different and there's less mobility and the stakes seem higher and there's less of a coherent future. The meter for am I a good person is can I make humanity an eternal species? Can I make us escape the death of the sun and the heat death of the universe? Can I defeat climate change? Can I prevent the plot of Terminator from happening? I know that's a big one for these guys. Oh, God, they're so scared <laughs> yeah, of the Terminator
3: yeah. showing up. Yeah. Well, the Terminator's going to just show up and just shoot everybody. Oh, my God, I'm terrified. I'm so scared. We were do- we did too good a job of making computers. They got mad at us. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hate that. I hate that. And it's like. I I think it's very
0: interesting to, you know, compare three generations or three iterations of rapacious capitalists, starting with, uh, you know, Rockefeller, Carnegie or JP Morgan going into the Buffets and Bezos and Soros. And now what we have here, the most the most bullshit, the most vaporware version of this. And look, I, I don't think John D. Rockefeller was a good guy, nor do I think that his charitable donations were re- really went as far as they could. But at least an opera house is a thing that you can see.
3: <laughs> right. It's a thing that yeah. people
0: can go into and verify is real. Libraries are real. Universities are real. Um as as time goes on and the fortunes become less tangible, the philanthropy becomes more of just ephemeral. Efe- yeah, made up.
3: Well oh, yeah I mean, there's no there's no uh there's no libraries or anything that I've built now but uh, in a billion years, there's going to be a uh, a, a Dyson spear around the sun, and that's hey, I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well yeah. I mean, you know the plot. Of, you know the plot of Halo. Well, I'm going to make
1: the Ring World. <laughs> well, I mean, like that, that's interesting because, like, if you're talking about guys like you know Mellon or Carnegie, who you know made their fortunes in what in, in steel. Yeah. It Doesn't get doesn't get more physical than that. Like b- exactly b- minting i beams that were going into girders that would like raise the Empire State Building or whatever. That's the that's the you know to <laughs> Lyndon LaRouche the physical economy. Um, but yeah, like but now guys like as, as Sam Bankman Fried, um, like all of this is like like you said you cannot even answer the question what do they make what do they do? Yeah. Whereas you know like so their philanthropy will be just as um, I don't know invisible. That's right. It's, it's,
2: it's, it's just bullshit topped with bullshit. Like there's, there's no, it's so destructive too, because you know, these things that resemble multi-level marketing schemes. Like if you look at like, there's so many towels for multi- and, and studies show 99% of people lose in an MLM 99 and it goes to the 1%. So when this all settles, when this actually, it still hasn't fallen completely apart yet, by the way, like this, this will get worse. Like, when it all settles, it'll probably reflect that. And so 99 people will have given money to people like Sam so that what? So that what was accomplished? Like, are are, are we ever going to do anything that's actually productive like, and that actually addresses yeah. people's real needs? This is just getting grotesque.
0: Yeah, yeah. <sighs> it is the least productive, least tangible, just nothing fortune. Even before it collapsed, I mean— Even even Mellon, who did not make his money in the physical economy, per se, he was a banker, at least like you could look at his books and go, "Okay, this made sense. He loaned money to Axe. He bought these bonds. He did this. Right. Uh, Because those
2: bonds were connected to real world assets. Right. Like Mm -hmm. all of those financial instruments were actually based on like even on it. Not weirdly now defending the subprime crisis. But even a CDO or whatever was still, if you squinted hard enough, there was a house involved.
0: Yeah. A mortgage is real. There's a real asset
2: there. Even if it's
0: a bullshit mortgage,
2: yes. Right. And so with this, it's like, no, there's nothing on top of nothing. There's like lines of code that are transmitted back and forth that represent nothing and that people put real money into. And all this wasted time and effort, right? Like just massive losses, like psychologically and mentally and all that stuff. But just like Literally anything else would be better than than doing this. Almost anything else.
1: Well, in terms of uh, what what all this money is actually doing in the real world, uh, Ben, have, are you familiar with uh, this? Is something I've been I've seen uh, a little bit over the last week or so, mostly and from like more right wing sources. But it's one of those things where like I, I see it and I think you know maybe uh, speculation that like F- like FTX was just one massive money laundering operation to just send like billions to Ukraine, like uh, on. Un, uh, examined by anyone that it was all just like a funneling money to Ukraine or some reasons like that. Have you, have you, have you encountered this? Do you have any thoughts on I it? I mean, there's
2: definitely a ton of money laundering in crypto, for sure. It's really hard. It's really kind of impossible to quantify. Um, um, so it wouldn't surprise me if some of the money went, I guess, in that direction. But like, I mean, the problem is pretty simple, right? The, we may hate the regulated financial system for good reason. But like it has all these rules so that the criminals can't use it. If you set up another system where there are no rules, the criminals will use it for whatever criminals want to use it for. Now, good people can use it, too, to get around those regulations that we don't like. But like, I don't know, call me a cynic. I think there's a lot more money in crime and a lot more criminals are going to find it. You know, it's very useful for them for a lot of reasons. And the crypto people hate this, right? They're like, I'm the industry people. They're like. How dare you shut down our, our literal mixer, like a, a mixer, a tornado cash was this crypto mixer where basically like you put money in, you put crypto in and then it mixes it with all these other cryptos. And so no one can tell like which which part of the crypto is dirty. Well, why do you need a mixer if you're just trying to send money like like, you know, if you have a valid reason, why do you need to use a mixer? And by the way, like there are people running those mixers. So you can't just say, oh, it's the code. Like, there's a dude in the Netherlands who was arrested because he was, like, facilitating this stuff. And they're laundering money from, like, all of the worst people in the world. You know, it's coming from, like, every possible source you can think of. Russian money, uh, uh, Italian mafia, uh, Chinese triads. Like, it's dirty, dirty stuff. And people are indirectly helping them do that by investing their own money, right? Like, they, they help inflate the value of these assets so there is enough liquidity to make this stuff possible. So it's it's bad. No, but 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 I mean, the short answer is I don't know. FTX was not like funneling money to you. It's not the primary. I'd be I don't think that's the main thing that's going on. I think the main thing that's going on with right. Sam was he was stealing it. But like but but once you have enough liquidity in a system, then you can use the money to transfer internationally for all sorts of crimes.
0: Well, I mean, like the reason that whole thing is weird to me, the. FTX sending money to Ukraine is it seems like we're just sending them money out in the open right
3: right yeah. it seems
0: like we're just giving them a shitload of money and uh d- and weapons just as is right
2: why do we need I don't time? I don't
0: yeah right I, I don't know why they would need to send an extra like 500 million through crypto which can greatly fluctuate in value during the entire time it takes you to transfer the asset yeah I mean, I, I I think if Joe Biden or the CIA or the Pentagon was like, we want to give Ukraine $10 billion, they would just go, OK, yeah, here, sign here. <laughs> yeah,
3: here's a check. Yeah. 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 Well, they, they want to get all of their like because they the, the right feels like they got uh, here with with uh, FTX because they were he was so publicly identified with. Democratic uh, candidates, Democratic politicians, and think tanks stuff. Shout out to my boy Sean McElwee. Uh, good luck on the job hunting front. Uh, but <laughs> shout out to all the shoreheads. All the shoreheads in <laughs> shambles. Uh, and so they want to make, like with everything, they want to roll it all into one big ball. Yeah. So it's like, ah, yeah. so this is also for the, the Ukraine thing. Even though, yeah, the Ukraine gets whatever they want. Like, they have an open account with the U.S. Treasury. They can just pull it. They have a, fucking Zelensky has a debit card for the U.S. <laughs> Treasury. He, has, he does not have to worry about, about having to have anything money laundered. But, of course, even that narrative that, ah, FDX is like this, this democratic slush fund. Turns out, no, they were, of course, of course, they were giving money to everybody because they were trying to get the regulators on their side. Why the hell wouldn't they do that? Of course. Right. It's just, it was PR. Yeah, you, it was PR. And now you think you're cracking the matrix because you're falling for public relations. Congratulations. Yes.
0: It, seemed, it seems to be like this is the Democrats' Enron. And by that, I mean, if you break it down, even with the dark money, I would I would estimate that more money from FDX Went to Democrats, just like how if you broke it down with Enron, more money went to Republicans. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is the, in both cases, that has to do with where the company started, right. what the company's cultural image was, mm-hmm. who was in power at the time. This is what every company does, but especially companies that are trying to achieve some, like some cultural image, some profile as the future of whatever industry they're claiming to be the future of while doing nothing. In Enron's case, because they were in Texas, they ended up giving, you know, more money to Republicans, though definitely gave money to some Democrats. FTX, because they aligned themselves with like Shoreism and Sean McElwee and this like very practical, no bullshit globe emoji way of looking at the world. I think they certainly gave more money to Democrats, but I mean- uh, Cindy Loomis wasn't pushing FTX's bill that they probably wrote for no reason.
2: Right. Yeah, it's just corrupt. Like they're buying off whoever they need to buy off for whatever reason they need to buy them off in order to commit the crimes. Like it's not, you're absolutely right that it does come out of like whatever sort of like cultural milieu they find themselves in. Like Sam's a California boy, so he's got to be a, a Democrat. But like, yeah. I mean they were their goal was to get enough Republicans and Democrats on board that they could get, you know, new quote unquote digital asset laws that would basically exempt them from securities laws and I guess put them under commodities laws or like be as broad and as yeah, vague yeah. as possible so that they didn't have to do disclosures. They really don't want disclosures.
0: Right. So the the best I could ascertain about like yeah, the the Loomis Gillibrand bill. Was that they wanted crypto to be regulated as a commodity, right. which is a way smaller regulating body. There's way less oversight. There's way less personnel. And also, I mean, if you're a retail investor, if you lose your shirt on commodities, it's like, well, no shit. Why were you buying that? Right. That's way too complex for you. Right.
2: Site. Right. But like, yeah, that's true. And also like the CFTC was in charge of a lot of that bullshit during subprime. Right. Right. Like, exactly. that was all those fancy, you know, complex derivatives, right? And so they just did, they're just doing it again. You know, it's the same, same stuff. But to your point, Felix, like, it also does have similar, they prey on similar people. Like, more minorities have bought crypto than white people. Um, you know, it it runs the gamut. Oh, my God. Economically, but, like, yeah, the Jay-Z, Jack Dorsey thing, it just, like, drives me nuts. yeah.
0: I I I one of the most um, cynical things that I saw during the crypto bull years, um, and this was absolutely—I I think this was like an astroturf post. I think that, you know someone paid for someone to say this, but it was like, um, oh, now that Black people are closing the wealth gap with crypto, yeah. now 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 uh, leftists have a problem with it. And it's it's like, no, no one was saying no, no one was saying this was going to close a wealth gap. No, you only only the most duped retail investors and people who knew they were lying thought that. But they but they were but but they were taking that they were committing affinity fraud. Right. They were taking
2: LeBron. It was Spike Lee. It was I mean, Jay-Z goes to Marcy Gardens with Jack Dorsey and is like, we're going to start Bitcoin academies. I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Like, it's just
0: one of the most cynical things I, I, I've ever I seen. Can't, I can't.
2: I can't, man. I can't. I like, get
3: so much. The Spike Lee yeah, ad? Yeah. Where it's like, old money is racist. New money, that's <laughs> inclusive. Yeah.
2: Our currency is not current. Old money, as rich as it looks, is flat out broke. Don't believe me? I got the receipts. They call it green, but it's only white.
0: And And, and when Cruel. you look at, like, okay, why were they doing this? It's very obvious. Because you need to get more people into the scam to pump its value, yes. so you can sell. Yes. Like yeah. it's just such so fucking. You, you cynical. are
2: exit liquidity for venture capital firms. Congratulations! Like I'm very uh, way to go. This is empowering us all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that or like the straight up one is like, what did Spike Lee get paid in? Was Spike Lee paid in right. FTT tokens? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he got American dollars. So. They're taking dollars to convince <laughs> you to take your dollars and turn them into something else. It's pretty simple. And I, I don't know, man. Into, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> turn it into monopoly money. That's right. Well, uh, I, I want to close out today with uh, by touching on something we mentioned on uh, the last episode, a, a mini reading series that centers around uh, uh, crypto guys and their intense hostility to books. <laughs> We talked about Andrew Carnegie uh, building libraries. Well, Sam Bankman-Fried, he's got no use for libraries or anything that is housed inside them because uh, his brain has evolved beyond the need to read words on a page or uh, engage with books. And this comes courtesy of uh, a blog, from Sam Bankman-Fried's blog from back in the day uh, that reveals some of his thoughts on Shakespeare. So I'm just going to read this here just to close out today's episode. This is Sam Bankman-Fried's Thoughts on This is his review of William Shakespeare. So he writes, Similarly, Shakespeare's non-comedies fix few of the flaws found in Much Ado About Nothing. Romeo and Juliet are incredibly flimsy characters, and the plot is absurd. For those interested, the number of lines between when Romeo is first made aware of Juliet's existence and when he recites the first love sonnet about her is 32. And none of those involve any action on Juliet's part, let alone interaction between them. Sure, you could say that the play is attempting to highlight the immaturity of youth, but at that point, you're attempting to cite the one-dimensionalness of the main characters of a work as a strength. And Shakespeare isn't alone in being a shitty writer from hundreds of years ago. The most ambitious woman in Pride and Prejudice has a life goal of marrying a rich, handsome man who is also intelligent. The thought that a woman could have a career or even a hobby independent from her husband is outside the scope of the book. And don't get me started on the Canterbury Tales.
2: <laughs> so this is that, that is incredible. <laughs> the last line is fucking
0: awesome. incredible. Incredible. Well, you know, I would, I would love to read Revolutionary Road, but their
1: marriage is so bad. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, like a uh, proud and Prejudice written in an era where, uh, yeah, women did not consider careers outside. Yeah, of why, why didn't she go power. to a
0: Java boot camp? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I also really like that he finds Romeo and Juliet unrealistic because they fall in love too quickly, and he's actually tallied the number of lines. <laughs> that those thirty only thirty two lines before, <laughs> before Leonardo DiCaprio is uh, spitting uh, a sonnet to Kate Claire Dance. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't. They didn't even fuck any of each other's friends in a disgusting penthouse orgy. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But, uh,
1: yeah, no. I mean, this this seems to be like uh, th- th- that he is uh, that they have uh, sort of evolved past the need for uh, a literature class. Or human the humanities or humanity just period that's yeah the humanity, not, period. they've already yeah, got they little need out. for it yeah
3: they've got it figured out yeah, that we a- just have to give let them have all the money so that they can set it up for us and it'll all be cool we'll have the Dyson spear. we'll have the Elysium ring that will some of us get to live in and if you don't well that's because uh, you you didn't fuck with the vision and that's your own fault yeah well you,
2: it's D Y O R you did you got to do your own research it's really not their fault
3: yeah uh, <laughs> yeah well I. I have I have I have
2: an announcement to make. Will I'd like to make it and 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 Matt and Felix I'd like to make it on, on your pod. I have good news for the crypto bros. Uh, they will not have to read Easy Money. There is an audio book. I'm 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 reading my own book. <laughs> I will be reading about my interview with Sam, and Sam can listen to it. So while he's playing League of Legends and Sudoku at the same time, and listening to. Uh, to what was the rock that he was going to listen to? He's going to listen to clown,
1: clown, uh, clown Corps. electro swing, clown, clown, clown? <laughs> uh, electro swing, clowns.
2: <laughs> 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 so, yeah. so I have good news uh, for him, and it he only takes one audible credit. I think. I think it's 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 going to be inexpensive for him. So,
1: I mean, I think in another interview, Sam Bankman Fried said like. Why would I read a book when I could just listen to a long-form podcast? And you know, I gotta say, I I, I have to agree with him. Yes. you shouldn't read books. You should only listen to podcasts. But I got I got. I got to credit uh, a friend of the show, Brandy Jensen, who said when these guys are talking about reading books, they're not talking about fiction. They're talking about a book called like mind embiggening brain force matrix or something. So I I don't, I don't really think it's actually like that bad of a thing that they're not reading books or just listening to podcasts.
0: Right. The only books these guys read are the Tim Ferriss books that are like, (laughs) you know, uh, the, the three hour parent and uh, like, like a guy who was on Joe Rogan, Who's a Navy SEAL? Who's like I invented a new way to drink water. I've I've invented a new way to hold my breath. I can hold my breath for three hours.
1: But I mean, like, uh, uh, Ben, you talked about a number of a uh, number of red flags that um, should have been screaming at anyone with even a casual uh, glance over at over at this corner of the world yeah. like for instance the fact that they're headquartered in the bahamas being one of them yep. but the fact that he is um pedantically critiquing the plot holes in romeo and juliet as for as the as evidence for why william shakespeare is a <laughs> shitty writer he's like hey you know juliet uh, that apothecary the poison that she got it's highly unlikely that there's any kind of poison that would make you look dead and then bring you back to life just in time just Total, total, that was a a bungle on William Shakespeare's part, inventing a poison that doesn't exist. Well, that, that,
0: it really says it all though. I mean, like crypto is sort of like for what these guys claim it can be. It's vaporware. It's bullshit that I, that thing of the blockchain being able to record all human transaction and being able to do it instantly. That will not be the case, at least not for many, many years, but given the broad charter of something like an FTX or a Coinbase. Someone like Bill Gross, someone from like the real finance industry, if they were given such a broad charter as any of these guys, we've said it a million times. they would have quietly made five billion dollars if they are allowed to be the exchange, the brokerage oh, yeah. the mint the the securities broker, the everything. yeah, I don't think that even for how bullshit these things are, there are enough use cases in like drug money and money laundering, and it's allowed to be real enough that someone like that could make real, actual money doing this. Well, that, that's the, the, right. The, the, the way that it falls apart is that the people running this are people who think that they have disproven the need for books. Or think that they have outsmarted Shakespeare. <laughs> there are people who like look at the reality of what this thing is, where it's like, okay, they're allowing this thing to be real enough because there's enough speculation money to be made, and I can quietly make all this money. They look at that and they go, not enough. I'm smarter than anyone who has ever lived before me. I'm going to make $50 trillion because I'm going to... I, I, I'm going to put every like when a child is born after this year, their life begins on the blockchain. I am going to record all <laughs> human existence. I am going, I'm going to colonize the rings of Saturn. I am going to, I'm going to invent a new type of Adderall that I'm doing right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, There, uh, the, a lot of people have said that like the guys in crypto are the guys that failed out of TradFi. trad fi. Like they were just like, Yeah, You know, they're like, Sam, Sam didn't fail out, but he was at Jane Street, but he was that straight out of college. Like, he was not some king of the world, right? He saw an arbitrage opportunity. It was called the kimchi premium. This is like 2017, I want to say. So the crypto market's even more dysfunctional than it was, than it is now. And like, yeah, he saw an arbitrage opportunity. And so he took it and he made some money. And then he... Saw another one, and, he, and you know he's just gambling and gambling and gambling. And Silicon Valley gives him a billion and a half dollars, and like he's king of the king of the world for like five seconds, and then yeah, he didn't he didn't read the book. He didn't read the book on uh, I don't know gap accounting or whatever. I don't know. He didn't he didn't read the like the the book on just. Uh, not stealing. Ben, a not stealing. Book.
1: if only there was a if only there was a, I don't know, a, artistic tradition in the Western canon of authors who um, tried to communicate essentially uh, man's um, doomed hubris and their tragic uh, <laughs> destiny to be fated only to. <laughs> if only.
0: Yeah. I mean, I always think the, the Soros kind of Soros kind of made a comeback. You know what I mean?
1: He was a big. Well, yeah, now Kanye's f- talking about him again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, by that, I mean, he was a big figure in like 90s, like Bo grit style conservatism. Right. And since Trump, he's made a huge comeback. I've always enjoyed that Soros has been this like lasting cultural figure because he's he's such an interesting guy to me. He's not exactly evil for the reasons those guys say he is, but he is like a pretty bad guy. He's a pretty bad guy in the way that he made his money. He made his money through, you know, the downward pressure of the uh, of like foreign currency exchange. I think the obsession with him is so funny, though, by, you know, by specifically like right wingers who lost their shirts on FTX because it's it's almost like grasping out like they're grasping out in anger towards like coherent financial management yeah. towards like any type of like coherent fi- financial strategy.
2: It's really hard not to see that as like the same thing as like J.P. Morgan being an anti-Semite.
1: Like it's the same
2: there. It's not well, the
1: problem. The problem is not capitalism. The problem is a very discrete sector of capitalism he, controlled by very specific. Yeah, people. it's like
2: it's like the guy that right. I talked to in the Miami Bitcoin conference who like makes these paintings um, that I guess had become important in the Bitcoin, quote unquote, community. And it was like a bunch of dudes around a table who were awfully Jewish, who represented the bankers of the world and like a big Bitcoin symbol behind them. As Bitcoin, it was going to be the response to like, you know, whoever, Soros. And it's like, it's that's not the way the world works. Like none of that is, you know, <laughs> they're also not appealing to the smartest people. You know, sometimes these are not people that have like sophisticated understandings of markets or anything. My
0: retort to that, of course, is that Jamie Dimon is Greek. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people think he's Jewish. He's actually just Greek, which is like the opposite of Jewish. All
1: right. Well, uh, let's let's leave it to there. Let's leave it to there before we get into too, too deep into the Jew counting on uh, today's episode. But Ben McKenzie, I want to thank you for joining us. You mentioned it uh, earlier. Easy money. Is it available for pre-order? I mean, you're, you're in the tradition of Chaucer, Jane Austen, William Shakespeare, and other shitty writers like that. You and uh, Jacob Silverman have a, uh, a bad book that no one should read coming out soon.
2: That's right. That's right. It's available for pre-order and uh, yeah, definitely don't read it, Crypto Bros. You're, you're not going <laughs> to like it. Please don't.
1: Ben McKenzie, official Chapo Crypto correspondent, <laughs> uh, your token, your, 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 to- your Chapo token for being a uh, two-time guest will be added to your wallet, your digital wallet very shortly.
3: Thank you very
2: much, sir. All worth it. Thanks, guys.
1: All right. Till next time, everybody. Bye-bye.